Hello, my friends, and thank you for joining me for another week on this irregular Saturday afternoon episode and a rainy Saturday afternoon it is here in Toronto. All week I was contemplating whether or not there was going to be a show this week, but as I said on the board, I wanted to show you, my loyal listeners, my greatest appreciation for all your support, and so it's going to be a big show today. No, I'm not going to have Paul White on the show. It's not that big. Wait, did I really mean to say that? Anyway, sometimes life just gets in the way, as I'm sure many of you can relate, so I will be unavailable tomorrow as summer comes with its obligations. Actually, I haven't quite acquired that Barbenheimer fever, but maybe half of it because I finally get to watch Oppenheimer later today in VIP, baby! For those of you who have not been to a VIP theater, I highly recommend it. It's definitely the way movies were meant to be seen on a bigger screen with two seat recliners, a pull-out table tray, and an adult beverage of your choosing. And then tomorrow I'm off to a family barbecue as I have some relatives visiting from Amsterdam, so hopefully the weather is a little better. I'm sure the NXT crew hopes the weather holds up in Austin tomorrow night as they will be in town for the Great American Bash, an event that is approaching its 40-year anniversary, though that may be debatable as we did go a few years without the bash. So I'm going to start there in this double-shot preview episode. I will unfortunately be missing the event live. It does have a couple of matches that I'm looking forward to, but mostly from an in-ring perspective, particularly the main event. But for me, some of the booking heading into the show has been kind of questionable. The North American title situation is a little puzzling and seems more geared toward advancing a main roster storyline rather than helping to elevate the NXT talent. But you know what? If it helps elevate the title, then I might be for it. And I think if this is the match chosen to open the show, it should be a strong one. It'll be Dominic Mysterio, who I'm assuming will be accompanied by Mommy, Rhea Ripley, defending against Wes Lee and Mustafa Ali. Honestly, Ali is the only one of the three that really doesn't fit in with the storyline. I'm not sure if he's supposed to be a babyface or a heel, but that's really been the case with him for the last couple of years, or maybe even since that terrible retribution angle. He's an amazing talent, but his talent really doesn't extend too much beyond the ring. His mic skills and character work are not at the level that I'd expect someone with his experience to have, and I don't see any upside to putting the belt on him. I can see a probability of Raquel Rodriguez running in to counter the interference by Rhea, though I don't think that will lead to a title change. I think Ali and Wes will likely do all the work on each other, and then Dom gets some fluke win, where one of them hits a big move on him, and he just happens to land on the third guy in the match for the cheap pin, while Rhea takes out the other person. I think it makes the most sense for Dom to retain here, so as to, as I said, advance the main roster storyline with the Judgment Day. Plus, he just won the title, and I'm not so much a fan of titles being hot potatoed. Another title will be decided in the women's division as Tiffany Stratton defends against Thea Hale in a submission match. Honestly, I'm not a fan of either of these girls, especially Thea. I feel like her acting has been dreadful lately, and I don't buy her as a convincing threat to Stratton. That said, Stratton's title run has been lackluster thus far, and she kind of seems like NXT's knockoff version of Carmella, which isn't really a compliment, especially since I'm not a huge fan of Carmella either. I can see Thea winning the belt here to finally have her moment, and also because WWE likes to break records, so they would definitely want to make her the youngest NXT women's champ. Though I don't see that run lasting too long, and I can see Stratton reclaiming the belt on TV, even though I said I'm not a fan of titles being passed around like hot potatoes. We continue with more titles on the line as the Gallus boys defend against Tony D and Stax, the family. 
I think Tony is probably one of the next in line for a call-up, and I don't see much value of him in NXT any longer. Also, he and Stats aren't really even an official team. I don't buy them as one anyway. So I'm thinking Gallus retains here, Stats becomes a singles talent in NXT, while Tony moves up to Raw or SmackDown after SummerSlam. The big debut of Gable Steveson is two years in the making, though he's pretty well only been seen on television for about two minutes of those two years. Thus far, I don't see much Kurt Angle in him, and I think he's a victim of wrong timing. There are so many guys in NXT and main roster that are far superior to him as characters, and maybe even in the ring. Sure, he's a gold medalist, which is why WWE signed him in the first place, but Chad Gable probably has about the same skill level, and Vince would have definitely made Chad his manager by now, or at least changed Chad's name back to Shorty G. I can't see someone with so much hype behind them losing their first official match, and certainly not to Baron Corbin. I think we may get a squash victory for Stevenson here. Another singles match was recently added on TV between Roxanne Perez and Blair Davenport. I'm a fan of both of these ladies, though I wasn't so much a fan of that grocery brawl or whatever that was supposed to be on TV this week, as neither are anywhere near the level of entertainer as Steve Austin and Booker T. Given that Blair won the first match, I think it makes sense for Roxanne to tie it up here, and then perhaps we get the rubber match with a stip attached to it at the No Mercy event in September. Closing out the show will likely be the highlight of the night, which I referenced earlier, the world title match between defending champion Carmelo Hayes and Ilya Dragunov. Much like Ali, I'm not sure if Dragunov is supposed to be a heel or a babyface, or perhaps just a heel for the purpose of clarifying the dynamic, if that sentence makes any sense. This match should be straight fire, and I'm almost tempted to pick Dragunov as best wrestler of 2023, as he's had some real bangers this year alone with guys that are, in my opinion, beneath the skill level of Mello, so this could be potential match of the year. As much as I like Dragunov, I'm not so sure he's someone that they can build the brand around. They did kind of tease something with Carmelo and Trick on the main roster with Bobby Lashley, so I can see them moving on up, but, but I still think Carmelo will retain here after a grueling contest and then perhaps be goaded into a match with Braun Breaker on TV this week while still recuperating, and Breaker takes advantage to win the belt back while Hayes and Trick move up to SmackDown. And then we probably get a singles program for the title coming out of that with Breaker and Dragunov and No Mercy. So that's the bash. Here's what I'm predicting with my fantasy forecast for the next NXT show, No Mercy. Braun Breaker versus Ilya Dragunov for the NXT heavyweight title. Roxanne Perez versus Blair Davenport in a weapons wild match. Wes Lee versus Mustafa Ali in the finals of the best of seven series, which will kick off on NXT TV, with the winner becoming number one contender for the NXT North American title. Nathan Fraser versus Noam Dar for the Heritage Cup. Tiffany Stratton versus Gigi Dolan for the NXT Women's Title. Gallus versus New Day for the NXT Tag Team Titles. Had enough of NXT yet? Well, we still got the show tomorrow night, but next week is the hottest party of the summer, SummerSlam, taking place at Ford Field in Detroit. Thus far, only eight matches have been made official, but I'm assuming we'll get at least one or two more announced on TV this week, though I will only be breaking down and predicting the announced matches, so away we go. On SmackDown this week, they announced that there will be a Slim Jim Battle Royal, and honestly, I had no idea that Slim Jims even still existed. Be that as it may, it kind of annoys me that as of now, there is absolutely nothing at stake. I can totally see this match being bumped to the kickoff, but hopefully it at least won't be for any golden egg, more likely just a lifetime supply of Slim Jims. Snap into it. 
This match is really designed for LA Knight to win. I can see an off chance where Grayson Waller sneaks in last minute to steal it from LA, and then those two branch off into a feud. But other than those two possibilities that I've outlined, I can't see this going any other way. Also announces what is being called a fight between former friends turned enemies Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler. I'm not so sure what that means exactly, or if it's meant to be taken literally, but this could be very entertaining. I think we can all agree that Ronda's entire second run with WWE has been a massive failure, and she's been extremely underutilized, or shall I say misused for the most part. I feel like this feud is much like Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar in that it feels too little too late. Had this match happened during Ronda's first run, I'd have been much more into it, but they've done way too much damage to each of their characters that this match just doesn't have the significance that I think it should. Given the recently silenced rumors of Ronda returning home to the UFC, which I honestly still see as a possibility, I can see Shayna winning this match and solidifying herself as the new badass character in the women's division over on SmackDown, since Rhea is technically contracted to Raw. I can see this being a situation where Shayna sneak attacks Ronda during her entrance, much like Rhea has been doing to opponents lately, and then does that move where she stomps down on Ronda's wrist and elbow joints, and then the ref asks Ronda if she wishes to continue, which she insists that she does, and she, as soon as the bell rings, Shayna just picks the bones off of a wounded Rousey and basically forces her into submission with the Karafuda clutch, and then this leads to a fight pit match at some point in the future. A week ago, I thought there may be a possibility of having an even number of men's and women's matches at this show, though now I'm thinking that might not be so, although we'll see what they end up adding this week, if anything at all. Becky Lynch finally gets her chance at revenge against Trish Stratus one-on-one. -on -one. I'm a little surprised that it is currently without a stipulation, but that could easily change. I can see Zoe getting involved at some point, only for Lita to make her triumphant return to even things up and then Becky finally puts Trish away with the disarm her, and Trish later blames Lita for the loss. Things have been really heating up in recent weeks between Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes. Actually, have they? Have they really? I said on one of the boards that it's the exact same angle over and over again, and I fear that Cody is quickly falling into the same trap of guys like Brock Lesnar and Bray Wyatt, where all of his feuds just feel identical. This is another match that I'm kind of surprised is without a stipulation, but again, that could easily change. In fact, I think this is the week that they might end up adding the rumored bull rope stip, and that is the Rhodes family match, so it's only natural that a Rhodes should win. I see some kind of non-finish, and I'm not sure if they do this in 2023, but I can see something where Cody hangs Brock over the top rope with the bull rope, and then pulls back with all of his might, so the ref eventually calls it as Brock passes out. It still opens the door for another match to finally conclude the program, though I'm not sure if anyone even wants to see it. I think we all just want this feud to end. And they also have to throw in a celebrity match. Though I'm not sure if celebrity is an appropriate way to describe Logan Paul, although the term celebrity is a lot more loosely defined in 2023 than ever before. Logan will square off against Ricochet, which will undoubtedly be one of the highlights. All jokes aside, Logan has really put in the work. He's put on some fantastic matches, and his mic skills and character work have outshone just about every other talent on the roster, so I think he has more than earned his spot. The thing about celebrities or part-timers is that everyone complains about how they don't show up every week, which is the basic definition of a part-timer. 
Anyway, Logan is coming off of two big losses, actually three if you count the Royal Rumble match, and I think the more he loses, the less value he has. So he really needs a win to keep himself relevant. And Ricochet is someone who can afford a loss, especially if losing this match will probably do more for his career than winning any regular match on Raw. Imagine the highlight reel here that will probably be all over TMZ and a lot of other major sports and entertainment news outlets. This is a fantastic thing for Ricochet regardless of how this goes. And I'm sure he and Logan will put on an absolute classic, but I'm picking Logan to win. The Intercontinental title is also on the line with Gunther defending against Drew McIntyre. If Gunther's previous matches are any indication, this one should be another classic. These two and Sheamus had a great match at WrestleMania this year, and I can't imagine that this one will be anything short of spectacular. I've been thinking about how to end it because I don't see a new champion here considering that Gunther is so close to breaking Honky Tonk Man's record, which I think is 1000% going to happen. But you also don't want Drew's first big match back to be a loss, and I can also see this one continuing past SummerSlam. I can see this match opening the show. It'll be hard to follow, especially considering the outcome that I'm planning, but I can see a non-finish where Drew is just about to finish Gunther off with the Claymore. He finally hits the move, only for the 20-minute time limit to expire, and the match is ruled a no contest. It's been a very long time since WWE has ended a match this way, and I think it might work under the circumstances to keep both guys strong. One more title match before we talk about the two main events, and that is the triple threat for the SmackDown women's title between champion Asuka, Charlotte Flair, and Bianca Belair. The dynamic between Charlotte and Bianca is not particularly interesting. I am having difficulty buying either of them in their given roles, and I can actually see Asuka being the one to receive the overwhelming crowd response in this one. That said, the match should still be good, and there's also the possibility of a money-in-the-bank cash-in. I can see a possibility where Asuka retains in a cheap way, but I think it's more beneficial to end it in this way. Asuka attempts to use the mist on Charlotte, but Bianca knocks Charlotte down, not seeing that Asuka's about to spray her, and so Bianca ends up being misted instead, while Charlotte chop-blocks Asuka and hits the natural selection. Charlotte then looks at her two downed opponents, and instead of taking the pin on Asuka, she takes advantage of Bianca's visual impairment, hitting a natural selection on her as well, and pinning Bianca to win the title. I think if the end goal is Bianca versus Charlotte and Mania, now is the best time to start building. The world title match between Finn Balor and Seth Rollins is one that could also open the show. I actually like the idea of them throwing back to their first match where Rollins injured Balor at SummerSlam seven years ago. I wonder if they'll have Balor as the demon in this encounter. Personally, I don't think it's needed, but we'll see where they go with it. Given that all other members of Judgment Day either have a title or Money in the Bank briefcase, I can actually see a title change here. Or they do something where Balor is the only member without anything, and then it becomes questionable as to whether or not he should be remain the leader of the group. I can see a teased cash-in with Damian Priest, which ends up distracting both champion and challenger, much like they did at Money in the Bank, and as the ref is asking Priest whether or not he wants to cash in, J.D. McDonough appears from the other side of the ring and corks Rollins with the belt, opening the door for Balor to hit the coup de grace to pick up the win and the title, so Priest's tease was apparently all a setup, and he, Balor, and J.D. are apparently on the same page, at least for now. And then it's the main event, the tribal combat for the universal title, or whatever it's called now, with Jey Uso challenging his cousin Roman Reigns for his seat at the head of the table. This should be a good match in the ring, but I'm more looking forward to what they do to further the angle. 
which has been a highlight of recent premium live events. I think we are 100% getting a Jimmy Uso return to seemingly fight off the interference of Solo, only to double-cross his own brother Jay and rejoin the bloodline, leading to Roman's victory. As much sense as it would make for Jay to win the title, I don't think now is the time, and this angle has made too much money to not continue it. I think when Roman eventually does lose the title, it should be at a WrestleMania, even though that's a little more predictable. And with that, here are my fantasy match predictions, or fantasy forecast, if you will, for the next PLE payback. I think Jimmy vs. Jay ends up main eventing this show, unless they want to save that match for Mania, but I think this is a show that Roman can afford to miss. Finn Balor vs. Ricochet for the World Heavyweight title. I think Ricochet needs something in order to stay relevant after his loss to Logan at SummerSlam, so I'm picturing a pair of battle royals in back-to-back weeks on Raw, with the two winners meeting the third week to decide a number one contender. It comes down to Ricochet and Rollins, with Ricochet prevailing after an unrequested assist from J.D. McDonough and the rest of Judgment Day. And this also leads to Rollins versus McDonough at this show. Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Rodriguez for the Raw Women's title. Bianca Belair versus Asuka, with the winner challenging Charlotte Flair later in the show for the SmackDown Women's title. I think it makes sense to throw roadblocks in Bianca's way to keep her from getting the title back, so even if she beats Asuka, I can see Io cashing in during the match and stealing it from her yet again. Becky Lynch and Lita, who win back the women's tag team titles from Chelsea and Sonya, defend against Trish Stratus and Zoe Stark. I can see this resulting in the champs retaining, and then Zoe ends up turning on Trish, leading to Trish coming back as a babyface against Zoe at Mania. Cody Rhodes vs. Bray Wyatt I am personally so sick of the Wyatt gimmick, but I've been hearing rumors all week of his return, so I hope they just get it over with. I'm assuming we get a Wyatt appearance at SummerSlam, and he ends up also costing Cody his shot in the Battle Royal leading to this match. Much like Bianca, it makes sense to keep Cody sidetracked before finally getting back to the world title hunt. Gunther vs. Drew McIntyre in a 30-minute Ironman match for the Intercontinental title. So that does it for another week. I will be back next weekend with another big show as I review both of these two WWE shows as well as UFC 291. Until then, I leave you with an ABC up.